Hello, and welcome back to the third episode of the DE Talk podcast. My name is Candy Chambers, and I'm with Direct Employers. Today, we have two of our own employees on the podcast to discuss two topics that are very important to our organization. Jen Pulser will be addressing compliance from the Direct Employer side, and Ruth Toombs from Recruit Rooster will talk to us about web accessibility and making the digital world more accessible to people with disabilities. Compliance and web accessibility both make the world a better place for all people, and we're so lucky to have two experts on the show to help us learn more. And now I'll hand it off to Jen Pulser. Jen? Thank you, Candy, and hello, everybody. We're super excited to be here today uh, talking to you about some topics that are very near and dear to both Ruth and my heart. Uh, but first of all, my name is Jennifer Pulser, and I am the VP of Learning and Development here at Direct Employers. I've been on board for a couple years now. Prior to that, I was a member. Uh, and uh, Ruth, I'll let you introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Jen. And I might like to say that you have a wonderful radio voice. Just going to point that out. <laughs> you do too, darling. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so my name is Ruth Toombs, and I'm a key account executive here at Recruit Rooster uh, by Direct Employers. I've actually been with the organization for over five years. Um, I'm really passionate about career site technology and uh, definitely sharing more about the accessibility piece. We've really, really started pushing that area as well. Um, so we're just going to get this started. I think we've had enough coffee or maybe not. Um, but to really set the stage, I want to let everybody know, our listeners, we're coming at this from two angles. So mine is going to be from a career site accessibility standpoint. And my side of the house, which is super exciting, <laughs> OSCCP career site compliance. That's my jam. All righty, Jen, we're just going to jump into it. Um, so share with our listeners and refresh me on what career site compliance really is. So in a quick nutshell, then we can dig into the nitty gritty. Yes, nothing like talking compliance right off the bat, That's huh? Right. Well, I don't wanna lose everybody in the first few minutes, so let me just summarize by saying that in my space, the world of federal contractor compliance, for a career uh, compliant website, among a few other technical pieces that we'll talk about, uh, basically it just provides an equal opportunity for all job seekers to apply. So if we think about this from a physical standpoint, we added curb cutouts uh, back in the day to allow wheelchair access and bonus you know all of us that are pushing strollers or luggage benefited from these curb cutouts um, but what if your website uh, has a curb cutout or doesn't have a curb cutout how are you offering help so the cool thing about talking about this topic is is that I get to pose the question and you get to supply some really cool answers Ruth because you know a lot more about that than I do <laughs> perfect uh, so that said you're up what exactly is career site accessibility all right so we get to do the long techie answer so a website or a career site in this case. Um, it strives to ensure that there are no barriers preventing users from having equal access to the website's information and functionality. So essentially sites that are designed with accessibility in mind, they're gonna be compatible with disability enabled software like screen readers and enabled audio devices. And it will allow those users to continue the online navigation process with reduced obstacles. So short answer, everybody can use it. That's the goal. Uh, so we've always created our career site technology solutions with accessibility in mind. Um, however, this year Recruit Rooster launched accessibility solutions for career sites. And I got to say it has been, it's been really eye-opening, uh, really eye-opening experience. Some of the frustrations and barriers to employment for somebody, let's say that doesn't have a disability. So they don't have a link working properly or there's an expired job. Whereas somebody with a disability utilizing the specialized software a career site might not have the proper back-end development for them to even be able to access the jobs, 
let alone apply for any of the positions. And with the job search and application process, I mean, essentially it's all entirely online now. So people with disabilities need to be able to use these technologies as easily as other applicants. You know, that's so true. I've spent so much time educating employers on OCCP career site compliance and how best to navigate this territory. You know, long gone are the days of people walking into the HR office or human resource office to fill out an application and apply for a job. The world has gone virtual, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in order to be inclusive and, and business smart, you need to prove to job seekers with disabilities that you're cognizant of their needs and create an experience that is truly accessible to all. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, our entire team here has spent many hours undergoing training and additional education. You know, we want to make sure that we're experts in this realm. Um, we really wanted to understand the limitations that individuals with disabilities face so we can really properly convey to our clients, you know, how to improve their processes and procedures and really help lower the unemployment rate for individuals with disabilities. Ooh, perfect segue into some numbers. Okay, so let's pop quiz. Whoa, it's way too early for that. <laughs> True. <laughs> Copy, please. Copy. <laughs> All right, well, what do you think, this is this is a, a scary statistic, but what do you think the unemployment rate is for individuals with disabilities? Okay, so that is a really tricky one. I mean, I know, it, I know it's considerably higher than the national average, right? Yeah, you've got that right. We report the monthly unemployment rates in our week in review, and beginning of November in our report there, it was 6.9%, um, which versus the national average of 3.6%, that's nearly double. Oh. Yeah, so I really can't wait for the day when we don't have to point out such a drastic difference in those numbers. Absolutely. I mean, I hear you. And, you know, I know that we both have family members with disabilities, so this really hits home. My mom was a uh, preschool teacher for many, many years and due to an injury became disabled. And within a six month window, she went from being able bodied, having this full time job she was passionate about to literally, unfortunately, living off the system. Um, so it was really impactful. You know, and during all of our research and training, we really dug into the stats and information to discover that approximately one in five people in the United States have a disability, uh, whether it's visible or it's invisible, something we have to take into account as well. That's actually 65 million people. And of course, as the baby boomer generation continues to age, that number is only going to increase. So true. It's really overwhelming to think about, uh, and not just that aggregate number, but the, the vast range of disabilities. It, you know, my six-year-old nephew is on the autism spectrum, and he's nonverbal. And for me, learning to navigate this has really rocked my world. Right. You know, it's, it's an entirely different experience from the experiences that my family faced with my brother who had muscular dystrophy, you know, and he was in a wheelchair. So, you know, I think I get the easy side of this discussion here because I get to talk about just the compliance piece and and it really is just a very broad approach um, which which is good it starts the conversation but I'm I'm more passionate as I move into learning about your space and that's that accessibility side and you know it's from what I can tell it seems like it's always going to be evolving in a moving goal based on right. the, the vast range of, of disabilities out there so I'll start with some of what I call the easy stuff um, <laughs> yeah perfect yeah right uh, these would be what I I've kind of pillared them as four major components to OFCCP compliant career site. Um, so we've got one through four. The first one is the required notices. The second one would be your accurate uh, equal employment opportunity tagline. And then we've got <clears throat> we've got an affirmative action policy statement and AAP availability. AAP meaning your affirmative action program. And then finally, what I consider to be the most important from again a basic humanity standpoint is number four, your accommodation procedures. 
Oh, I see. Well, uh, we know we all love it when you enlighten us with regulations. You are the regulation queen. So let's unpack those four components. Uh, you said number one is required notices. And what are those exactly? <laughs> well, you know I do love my regulations. Uh, in fact, for those of you who may not have seen our direct employer's Facebook post last month, this this geeky compliance girl dressed up <laughs> as the actual code of federal regulations. It was fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Complete with my highlighted tabs. And even I had a barcode on my rear. So it was it was great I stuff. about that. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I do, take, I do take compliance seriously, but I like to have some fun with it. But I, you know, I think if we talk about this stuff enough and we do make light of some of these things, we can start to realize, or hopefully I can help people start to realize that many of these regulations are, are forcing people to do the obvious and that's to help level the playing field for everyone. Exactly. So, uh, for federal contractors, and, and I'm, I'm specifying that here today because there are lots of other laws and regulations that may apply to, to various organizations. So please don't think this is the end all, but this is our niche and my niche. And so the, the focus of the regulations that I'm going to be referring to today, I'll get technical here for just a hot second. The executive order one, one, two, four, six VEVRA, which is our protected veterans. And then section 503 of the rehabilitation act. So our individuals with disabilities. Okay. So there's required notices. Um, the first one is the equal employment opportunity is the law. This was revised in 2009. And then the second one is the supplement to that poster, which came out when the regulations were updated to include uh, protected classes of sexual orientation and gender identity back in 2014. And then the third one that uh, contractors need to have on their website is the pay transparency, the pay transparency notice, which came out in 2016. Okay, so, you know, I think, okay, I know I've seen the EEO is the law poster hanging in our break room. Yeah, girl. So that's the same thing, right? Except you're supposed to be utilizing that on your website as well. You are spot on. Gotcha. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. So uh, most employers have these posters hanging in their break rooms or maybe in the kitchen or in the HR office. Uh, and that's because these laws highlight um, things that are applicable to current employees as well. So that's why it needs to be visible to everybody there. Um, but back in the day, we kind of talked about it. It was sufficient to hang these posters in HR, assuming that all job seekers would walk in and to, and to apply. So they would be able to see the poster and read the applicable laws like I'm sure so many people do did. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, what employers need to realize is that their career sites are now like a virtual HR office. So anything that an applicant should be able to see needs to be there because they're no longer walking into your office in most cases. A lot of companies have embraced this concept. And as you know, Ruth, in your space, have worked really hard to make some outstanding career landing pages, very informational and creative. However, in all of this um, turn to moving to the the creative side, we've lost a lot of the legal notices in many cases, uh, you know, people that just kind of fell off the radar that that was something they need to do. No, I get that. So obviously, yes, I spent a lot of time working on the designs of career websites. And although that's super important, not everyone wants their site plastered with legal notices. So do you have any suggestions about that? Yes, and I totally agree, and I get it. Um, what I like to do is encourage people to use the hyperlink to the OFCCP webpage because that one link will host all the required notices. And I say do this rather than having each notice as an individual PDF. Um, and there's a few reasons for that, not, not alone just the appealing side of um, lower real estate, but uh, if there are updates to the, the laws or the supplements, uh, eventually they will be merged. Then you don't have to worry about putting a new link out there. And the other cool thing is if you go to the main OFCCP link, it's 
the notices are listed in several different languages, so that's an easy bonus there. Um, and as mentioned, by having just the one link, you save on space on your website. So what I do like to point out here, though, is I definitely recommend or and or encourage companies to not, I repeat, not to do not bury that link somewhere on your website. Uh, I've spent a lot of time hunting through our websites to help people get this right. And I notice a lot of them put that under a small legal notice or EEO info. And you have to keep in mind that the general public doesn't use the term EEO like we do OMG, right? It's just not something people exactly. walk around saying. Right. <laughs> so, and, and you don't want a job seeker digging into to look into legal notices to verify that you're providing a, a work place free of discrimination. You know, if anything, I think this should be showcased with as much pride as you do your, your benefits and the other great reasons why you're such a wonderful employer to work for. Totally makes sense to me. And uh, speaking of funny lingo, let me next drill you on what a tagline is. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? For sure. So this isn't a regulatory term, but rather it's one of those uh, terms that we've come up when we've been working in this space. And it's basically like an indication or similar to a stamp that an employer is a federal government contractor and therefore they do not discriminate based on the various protected classes that each statute protects. So federal contractors are required to indicate on, and I'll quote here, all solicitations or advertisements. And basically what that means is every job description. So every job description, anywhere that you're advertising an open position, you need to include the information that you're an equal opportunity employer. And the OCCP has approved a few abbreviations to this. Uh, so if you don't want to list out all of the, the nine protected classes among those three statutes, then we commonly refer to that as an EEO tagline. So what is the what is the actual tagline then? If you're covered by all three regulations, the executive order, uh, section 503 and VEBRA, you would include a tagline, something along the lines of EOE, standing for Equal Opportunity Employer, and then including disability and veteran. I see many companies that have the old uh, terminology or slang almost of females slash minorities, and this just isn't correct. I've seen a little bit of that myself. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very common, and and the reason why is that the, those statute the executive order was broadened in 2014 to include sexual orientation and gender identity. So although we commonly refer to that executive order as females and minorities, it's just no longer accurate. It's just a broader group of people protected. So this is when I'm teaching uh, to my recruiters and the people in the compliance space, I like to get a little jingle in there to help them remember. So you ready for it? I'm so ready. <laughs> All right. <it> on me. <laughs> so if you list all nine, you'll be fine. Or go with three and be scat-free. <laughs> that's perfect. Nice. I can actually remember that. It, that's right, what that's I good. said. Yeah. List all nine and you'll be fine. Or go with three and be scat-free. <laughs> and by scat-free, I mean that you won't be cited for violations here. Okay. So that's the important part. Um, but some other takeaways from this tagline that I've seen a lot of people do correctly is the term veteran it can be abbreviated but only as short as vet vet so you can't just have the letter v okay. on there and the other one is disability that has to be completely spelled out so no no capital d or dis and, you know, again, think back to this, like the reason why we're doing all of this is many of us fall into these protected classes, but I necessarily wouldn't walk around knowing that I'm an M slash F slash D slash V, right? No, that's so true. And that's why you look at that. You just go, what exactly? I mean, there's so many things it could stand for, right? And yeah. I wouldn't necessarily pick up on that. Exactly. Yeah. So think about what you're actually doing and the information you're trying to, to get across. And, and that's the, the tagline that you want to have on all your job descriptions. That sounds like that ties into the third item you mentioned. 
and this is a mouthful, the EEO policy AAP availability. <laughs> Alphabet <the> <laughs> soup, baby, right? <laughs> exactly. Like every every industry has it. So yeah, <laughs> this, this is kind of the final uh, regulatory compliance piece, and it, it goes back to your career page being your virtual HR office. So the other item that applicants need to have access to is your EEO or your equal employment opportunity policy statement. And this is a broader statement from your CEO or top representative, basically committing your company to this 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 cause, this action. Uh, in addition to that, you also have to allow them to know when, if someone wanted to view your written affirmative action plan, when and where they could do that. Um, so for instance, they could see it in the HR offices between the hours of eight and five, Monday through Friday, or, or whatever worked for your organization. I recommend just combining these two elements into one statement. So your EEO policy statement has a very specific requirements and they're all laid out in the regulations. So once you have those requirements in there, I typically recommend and have seen where you just kind of close out the statement from your CEO with a little line about when and where the plan is available for viewing. All right, so you also mentioned accommodations, and this is where I think a lot of people are confused. They interchange accommodations with accessibility. Absolutely, you know, and I'm totally guilty of that as well, at least until I started working in this space. Um, as you know, that was one of the main reasons that we wanted to chat today to help people understand the difference so they stop uh, flipping those two words and realize that they do actually mean two very different things. So I'm gonna conquer the accommodation term and then you get to talk about accessibility. That sounds great. So. Tell me what you mean when you say federal contractors have to provide reasonable accommodations to job seekers. Yes. So I'm putting my Halloween costume back on. Yes, I am fully dressed as the Code of Federal Regulations. <laughs> and the actual verbiage is that if you use an online application system, which you know nowadays most employers do, you must, quote, provide necessary reasonable accommodations to ensure that an otherwise qualified individual with a disability who is not able to fully utilize that system is nonetheless provided with equal opportunity to apply and be considered for all jobs. If we go back to our example of providing a curb cutout to accommodate a wheelchair, you know, curbs are not the only barrier out there. Uh, and you're going to be able to elaborate on this a lot further, but electronic devices can be extremely wonderful or extremely limiting. Absolutely. So as such, the current federal regulations for federal contractors is that they recognize this. And that's really my point here is recognize that your website may not be 100% accessible and just like uh, your, your, your building might. So what you need to do is have some way for somebody to reach out and say, hey, you know what, I need help filling out your application. Okay, gotcha. So, so from the OFCCP side of things, the requirement is that, you know, they've got to indicate a way for a person to reach out to, to accommodate the individual. And that makes total sense, and you're right. I can't wait to tell you more in accessibility. Um, but before we jump there, I think the next obvious question I would have is, okay, I've got that language on there. Contact HR at whatever email address or phone number, but then what? Like, what do you do when someone calls or emails? I mean, that's not a, it's not necessarily a simple way to respond to that, right? Unless somebody's really educated on that piece. Exactly. And that is such a common question, and it's one we get all the time. And I think it's one of the major reasons why employers may, you know, hesitate to put that language on there because they don't know what to do. You know, if someone reaches out, they don't know how to respond. Uh, and that's the fear of the great unknown. But, you know, however, like anything, the more we learn and experience, the less scary the unknown becomes. Uh, and, you know, we could talk for days on what it means to give reasonable accommodations. But for the sake of our chat today, I, I want to leave, you know, our listeners with a, a few good partners of ours that are truly subject matter experts in this space. And one is JAN, the Job Accommodation Network. You know, their website is 
amazing. And, and we work with them regularly. They're often uh, at our annual conference. But it's set up so that you can literally type in the type of disability somebody has, and it'll populate a handful of reasonable accommodations. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does take a little bit of the fear out of it, right? I mean, it does, because you actually have something in writing, something tangible that you can go from. Yep, exactly. Awesome. It's 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 designed brilliantly. Uh, so definitely Jan is one place to start if you're new in the space. And then the other partner of ours is Higher Potential. And they also have a ton of great resources in the individuals with disability space, but they actually provide this as a service. So you can um, utilize one of their reasonable accommodation representative experts to kind of work as the middleman and guide you through some of those conversations uh, until you get comfortable with them. But, you know, there are these tools out there and then these resources, and I can't help but just go back to the, the basics. You know, you and I living in our space, being around individuals with disabilities and just getting through life. And I think the most important thing to, for people to remember is that these are people, you know, and when you encounter an individual that needs some sort of assistance, you know, the best process is, and this is a regulatory term, but it's, it's real life, is the interactive process. Imagine that interact with the person. (laughs) So, you know, for anyone that's ever worked in a customer service role knows this and is probably doing it a hundred times a day without ever realizing that they're having a quote unquote interactive process. But you know what it starts with? How may I help you? So simple, right? Shocking. So simple, yes. All you need to do is ask. You know, more often than not, a person that needs assistance will be able to provide some sort of example of what they need that will help them accomplish that task. You know, at the end of the day, it is so much more than providing, you know, simple digital access. It's really humanizing that experience. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So I got through the easy stuff. You know, you just need to have you have your career site lined up with these these four major components. Um, You know, work on getting the accommodation, uh, the training for your team if you don't have that in place already. But this is the stuff that I'm super excited about. So you're up, Ruth. So contractors have to have a way for job seekers to reach out like we just talked about. but let's talk about more about what this accessibility is in the digital space. My pleasure, Jen. So envision it this way. People need to be able to complete the online task, whatever that may be. If they're shopping online, can they purchase it? You know, if they're setting an appointment, can they successfully enter the criteria? And in this situation, can they access and apply for a job? So the solutions that we provide at Recruit Rooster really give them a digital access ramp, kind of like what you decided, you know, described with the curb cutout. You know, envision it like a physical sense, like we've referenced a wheelchair ramp or a guide dog or a cane. So only these are online tools, but if if anything, they're not just crucial for quality of life, they may even more be more crucial with the online space as it is and evolving. So we offer things like uh, providing scalable format. We make sure that on your career website, the information uh, doesn't lose clarity when the content is reduced or enlarged. We make sure it's screen reader compatible, meaning that you know alternative text for images and full text to speech, uh, closed caption friendly for the hearing impaired. Um, color contrast is a big thing to ensure text and images don't blend into the background with somebody with certain sight impairments like colorblindness. Um, and making sure font sizes expand and contract as needed for those with sight impairments. Wow, this is so fascinating. So it's really just creating an online experience that mirrors tools that people would need in their everyday physical life. Oh, well, precisely. So we help employers discover, uh, for lack of a better term, missing pieces in their career site infrastructure. For example, let's say a person is using a screen reader, they may only hear words like image instead of a description of what the picture is actually displaying. Uh, the top navigation may not have headings, so they're, they become really unsure of where they should go on the screen. 
their assistive technology they have on their mobile devices isn't compatible. So imagine having low vision and trying to pinch and squeeze the screen on your cell phone. So, you know, I've even seen career websites that don't allow a person with motor impairments. So like they're using their keyboard navigation only to even access the job content at all. Um, so we use a myriad of software scans and manual devices, actual tools used by individuals with disabilities like JAWS and TalkBack to discover all of those issues and work to fix them. Um, we also build accessible career site experiences from the ground up. Wow. You know, it's so cool knowing that you and the Recruit Rooster team are making the difference in so many lives. I have to say, you're like super roosters. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> Eliminating barriers one website at a time. You go, girl. My cape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, last year for Halloween, in honor of the launch of Recruit Rooster here, I... That's right. You really take Halloween seriously. I, I do. Well, and I love what I do. And I so I dressed up as a rooster last year, uh, you know, and so now that you guys have taken on accessibility, I may need to bring that costume back out next year, but I am going to add a cape. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so you don't, you guys don't have to convince me that an accessible website is plain and simple, the right thing to do. I just... It, I just can't even think about not wanting to reach out to this um, massive group of individuals, which we all may become a part of if we're not already. Um, but anyway, however, you know, not everyone is going to come to this conclusion on their own. And let's face it, you know, when we talk about making any type of improvement on any organization, that comes down to money. Oh, yeah. It's always the dollar sign, right? It's always like, okay, where do I find this budget? Exactly. What other reasons can you tell us about from, you know, your perspective as to why an accessible website is more than just the right thing to do? Oh my gosh, there are so many reasons. Um, obviously, preventing barrier to employment, top of mind. Um, but let's also keep in mind that it expands your market, your pool of talent demographics. Um, we have obviously a low unemployment rate um, for individuals that don't have disabilities. So here's a few stats for you. Individuals with disabilities don't necessarily want to live on the system as quite often it means poverty. Um, so with that being said, um, some numbers for you, 18.3% of individuals with disabilities ages 21 to 64 are unemployed. 12% hold a bachelor's or higher, and 29.7% have college or an associate's. That is a huge pool many employers are missing out on. And we can talk about the almighty dollar being an issue and budget constraints, but these are talented individuals that are educated, um, that have the ability to come in your organization and make a difference. So definitely tapping into that untapped resource makes a lot of sense. So another area would be it creates usability employer brand. It truly does give you a competitive, competitive advantage. Um, employees and studies show, especially millennials, care about being a part of something bigger than themselves. You know, a company that expands on diverse culture. Um, another area, a lot of, a lot of companies, and, and something I didn't think about until we really moved into the space a lot, it improves search engine optimization. You know, Google likes to pay closer attention to websites with lots of robust content, the alt text for images, navigation descriptions, and the like. And, and lastly, you know, proactive versus reactive. If you do it right the first time, it is much more cost effective. So building something with that accessibility in mind, and not everybody has that opportunity, but that's obviously gonna be the most cost effective way to go about it. Um, but there are lots of resources to ensure that your career website is accessible, even if you have to make the changes moving forward. Um, another area is uh, reduces potential legal risk for discrimination. That's always a scary one, right? But um, you know, it's something to be aware of. Throughout our research, we found the number of web accessibility lawsuits 
to have, I mean, really exploded. It's grown exponentially since 2017. In fact, these lawsuits increased from 814 in 2017 to 2,285 in 2018. Wow. Uh, right? And that's something, I mean, that's, that's a massive jump. And I only see it just becoming more and more of, of an issue. Um, all these cases were brought forth under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, you know, that's a great point that you bring up the ADA because that's beyond our scope of conversation today. But as this legal landscape pay- plays out, we'll certainly have to talk more about it. Um, hopefully, in the meantime, these companies can start thinking about this. So what are some of the barriers to consider when you are making some of your career site changes? So there, there's a lot, but there, there are four main categories of access uh, an employer really needs to consider. So there's the visual access. So these are candidates who may be blind or have low vision or candidates with color blindness. Um, then there's audio access, candidates who are deaf or hard of hearing. Motor ability. These are candidates who, for whatever reason, are unable to use a mouse and they live with limited fine motor control or, or slow motor response time. And then cognitive ability. This refers to candidates who may live with a range of cognitive disabilities, including learning disabilities, distractibility, impaired memory functions, and inability to focus on or retain large amounts of information. So I hear a lot of people say about this alt text. Alt text. What exactly is alt text? (laughs) So when you have an image, um, if somebody's using a screen reader device, um, when they actually scroll across that image, alt text is actually going to be alternative text for the image. So it's a description Ah. of what the image is instead of just image or nothing being displayed. It might be like image of children laughing on the playground. Right. So it gives them something visual, even if they're not seeing it. Okay. If that makes sense. It's those acronyms. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the heck? All right. So, you know, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in career site web or career website accessibility? So I'm definitely seeing not just the need to be digitally accessible due to the legal ramifications, um, but I'm seeing a desire to really create an inclusive online experience. Employees, that makes right? me happy to hear. That makes People me so happy to hear. People are excited about it. I think it's just becoming something that's much more... Um, showcased. I think people are becoming more aware. Um, I think a lot of us are, uh, and a lot of individuals, like, you know, if we don't see it, it's not there. If we don't know it, we don't realize it. So people are becoming more educated on it. Um, and employees want to be a part of organizations that are inclusive and they're doing their part to create that space. Absolutely. I, you know, like I said, I'm the, probably the number one recruit rooster fan here. (laughs) I love what you guys are doing and I love that I get to be a part of that. It it makes my heart happy. So what are some of the small steps uh, that employer can do to to kind of correct some things on their career website if they're not looking to do a full overhaul? No, absolutely. And and, and it can be a daunting task, right? This is a lot of information. We're trying to make it as simple and easy to understand and and just helping these employers navigate all of these changes. Um, There's a ton they can do. There are some amazing organizations that provide education, on-site training. I know that you had mentioned um, the Accommodation Network and even some simple software scans to at the minimum just get a baseline of discrepancies with your career site. Uh, I really like webaim.org as a starting point and naturally. Um, anybody who's listening here can chat with one of us recruit roosters about it too. Woohoo! The super roosters to the rescue. <laughs> all right, Ruth. Well, thanks for all that clarity. That was a lot of information, but very interesting. So, with the limited amount of time we have left, I feel like we have to do our due diligence and squash some of these ignorant myths surrounding uh, disabilities. So, how about I, I read a myth and you can educate our audience on okay. what the correct information actually is? So, myth number one disabilities occur only at birth. 
That is false. Um, people can develop a disability at any point in life. Think things like like cataracts or injury or hearing loss, loss of vision. Um, I, I mean, it's something that we don't necessarily nobody wants to think about, but it can happen to any one of us. It's so true. And you know, when I teach about this, when I'm talking compliance, I, I let my recruiters and such know that, you know, having a disability is a protected class that you could join in the blink of an right. eye, you know, but you can also leave, you know, we have people in remission from, from cancer or overcoming these disabilities. So, you know, when that's why when we gather this information, I'm going to put my compliance hat back on, but for the federal contractors having to gather self-identification for individuals with disabilities, the form, if you're, you know, paying attention to it, you're not only asking if you have a disability, but you're also asking if you have had a disability. Gotcha. Uh, so as you pointed out earlier, this is a large group and it's in fact our largest minority group. Wow. All right, so myth number two, all deaf people can read lips. False. I mean, have you ever tried to read lips? Oh my <laughs> I've attempted it. Um, people all speak and enunciate words differently. So, you know, it's next to impossible to really gather full sentences and follow the conversation 100%. Um, also, there is a phenomenal short film showcase on YouTube. It's called What It's Like to Read Lips. It's about four minutes. It is such an amazing inside look into what reading lips is actually like, and I urge you all to check it out. It is super cool. I definitely recommend that itself, myself. And you know, I may date myself a little bit here, but there's actually a really funny Seinfeld episode about this. Um, <laughs> hopefully somebody in the audience remembers and can, can giggle about it, but it does nail this point exactly that it's super challenging to read lips. Um, okay, myth number three. Certain jobs are just better suited for people with disabilities. This is a big fall. So this myth really stems from the general lack of knowledge around providing reasonable accommodations. You know, thereby it really limits individuals with disabilities to certain jobs. You know, when you consider the average accommodation cost a company spends, it's approximately four to $600. There is no solid rationale for limiting what any person can do. It's just an, an unintentional bias. Sometimes we just assume that an individual with certain disability is, is gonna only be able to perform certain tasks. And that's obviously not the case. So true. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about that here after these myths. But uh, okay, myth number four, people with disabilities have a hard time getting to work. False. Right. So Uber, Lyft, public transportation, they open up the same work opportunities for individuals with disabilities as they do anybody else. And to be more self-reliant, um, I have, you know, a couple of friends, in fact, that have disabilities and they they have their vehicles modified. Not that that's, you know, an option for everyone with a disability, um, but just putting that limitation saying, how are they going to get to work is crazy. We have so many different ways to do so. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> to be honest, it's none of our business how anybody gets to work. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Disability or not. I, I think back to recruiting recruiter training 101 and, and asking if somebody has reliable transportation is just not somewhere you go in an interview. So this falls along the same lines. Right. Okay. So myth number five, the ADA requires employers to hire individuals with disabilities, whether they are qualified or not. Absolutely false. So job seekers who are not qualified for a job cannot claim discrimination under the ADA. Yep. And I always tell recruiters, your job is to hire the most qualified individual for the job, period. That sounds like best practice, yeah, period. Absolutely. So with so many misconceptions, um, you know, I truly believe that one step employers can take to show they are inclusive and working towards a diverse culture is with their career site. And uh, for me, one of the biggest aha moments in this educational journey was our trip to Bosma Enterprises. Yes, I'm really excited for you to talk about this. But for those of you that aren't local to the Indianapolis metro area, Bosma is a close partner of ours that assists with people who are blind or visually impaired. And not only do they assist others in this space, but they run an organization from top 
top down with individuals who are blind or visually impaired. Their offices in, and warehouse, are, it's just mind-blowing. Anyone who has ever had a hesitation of how a blind or visually impaired person could work in their organization would be instantly humbled when you, when you step foot into their work environment. They also have amazing programs from helping with job readiness to independent living because, as we mentioned before, losing your sight could happen at any time for a variety of reasons. So having this organization to help you navigate this is exceptional. And actually, that is their tagline, navigating blindness. Uh, blindness. So earlier this summer, um, our team spent a full day at the Bosma facility. We were fully immersed, not only in their programs, but also taking time to interact with their clients and see how accessibility tools like screen readers and screen magnifiers work really get a sense of what the job seeking experience is like for somebody with visual impairments. You know, just to see these tools in use gave me an entirely new perspective on how a person with a visual impairment would interact with a website or any online content for that matter. Um, you know, and just listening to some of the stories, the individuals who are actually learning literally from, from zero to 60, what it's like to, you know, learn how to be alone in your own home after losing your sight, um, to, you know, working a job, to doing online experiences, all of those different pieces, just watching that. And these were individuals who, and if I'm not mistaken, maybe you can clarify that, I believe that Bosma works with individuals who have lost their sight later in life, not that they were born with a sight impairment. Yep, absolutely. So these are individuals, uh, we met, you know, individuals that were landscape architects, um, professors, we met all of these people who had lost their sight unexpectedly and had to literally start over. So it's an awesome organization. And I never realized how much a person with a sight impairment relied on their phone. So anything from text-to-speech to buying a Coke at a vending machine that had a QR code with Braille next to it, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. it, it really is incredible to think how far we've come with technology. And, you know, the last time I was at Bosma, I was given a tour by one of the representatives there. And it was, again, it was so amazing. We were watching people work in the warehouse, you know, putting together r random various items and stuff going to production. Everybody was either blind or sight impaired. And when we got to the, we did the full tour of the office as we came back through the lobby, there's a big picture of the woman who gave us the tour and she, w and she was blind and she had said, we're going to stop here and I'm going to point out this picture. And, you know, we're looking at, it's a beautiful picture of her. It's very large. And she said, and she kind of laughed and she said, I'm told this is a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just one of those, oh my gosh, another aha moment. And I, yeah, I said yes. And you know, and I told her, I'm like, and you know what? It's a beautiful picture of you. It's a really great picture. And she smiled. Uh, but it was, again, quite humbling. And so I was thrilled to see that your team was able to, to go and have that experience as well and come back with, you know, such a, such a sense of passion and drive for what you do. Uh, and, you know, hearing about you talk about that experience, it just reiterates everything we've said. Employers must recognize the need for, you know, and the results of digital, 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 <laughs> digital accessibility and, and hone in on how they can better reach all audiences. So, I mean, clearly you and I could and, you know, we often do go on and on about this topic. We're very passionate about it. Um, but rather than talk about what should be done, I know we both prefer to actually help employers dive in and get their website compliant and accessible absolutely and you know what Jen I think we're coming in on the closing hour um, no it's been so fun. I know and I've had this wonderful cup of coffee but it's time for round two <laughs> so we appreciate you guys tuning in for this and listening and, and don't hesitate to reach out to Jen or myself we can easily discuss your career site and provide some feedback on how you can improve your processes and become more inclusive I can be reached by email ruth at recruitrooster.com 
and Jen can be reached by emailing compliance at directemployers.org. So please let us help you through your accessibility journey because you truly have the power to shift the employment outcome for individuals with disabilities and reach so many amazingly talented people by just making small adjustments along the way. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you, Ruth. This has been fun. It has been. Thank you. So thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the DE Talk podcast. With so many great topics to cover, be sure to follow Direct Employers on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the DE Talk podcast to be sure you're the first to receive notifications of new episodes available each month. Thanks for listening.